0: Our speaker for today is Andrea Sautel. Okay. All right. Andrea, as many of you know, has been the youth pastor at Hagerstown Church of the Nazarene for 11 years. Uh, recently, she moved here to Quincy and is currently the youth pastor right here at Wollaston Church of the Nazarene. So if, if you didn't know that, now you know. Uh, she's a graduate of ENC. She's a graduate of ENC. And she's a graduate of, oh, I'm told I'm getting cues, like, to tell everyone that she was a social work major here. Which is important. And she's also a graduate of Nazarene Theological Seminary. (laughs) I will say this, you know, when I was a college student, I was debating whether or not to attend seminary. One of my biggest debates was this idea that if you go to seminary, you'll lose all passion for ministry and you'll become boring. And I remember telling a professor of mine that, not realizing how offensive that probably was to him. Uh, But, you know, his response was, you know, if you love students, because I was a youth pastor at the time. He said, if you love students and you have a passion for ministry, learning about theology and ministry and engaging that deeply will not take that away. It will only strengthen it. And I think Andrea is a great example of that. Uh, She is a graduate of NTS and has lived out her call to ministry. she lives here, obviously, because she's a youth pastor here, but she lives here with her husband, Nate, and her son, yeah, <laughs> that was her husband, Nate. <laughs> she, lives, she, loves, she lives here with her self-supportive husband, Nate, and her son, Baruch, who is adopted from Ethiopia, uh, and Andrea loves mission trips to Honduras, running with her husband, yeah, coaching volleyball, drinking coffee, and hanging out with students any chance she gets. That was the bio that I received, so I thought I'd let you know that that means you should bombard her after chapel. I am actually very, very excited to also say that Andrea will be teaching our youth ministry uh, class this fall, uh, which is awesome, and... uh, I don't think there's anyone better to do that, so that's really exciting. Hey, let me pray, and we will uh, worship in some. Dear God, thank you so much for letting us be a part of what you're doing in the world. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for knowing us. And thank you for calling us here right now and letting us serve you. God, we pray that as we worship together that it wouldn't simply be about who sings well, who plays well, but that you would be our audience and that we would worship together to you. God, we pray that in the moments of hearing your word preached that you would make us hearers and that you would form us and shape us into the people you call us to be. God, we pray this in your name and for the sake of your kingdom. Amen.
1: Well, it is really, really good to be here with you. That was awesome. You guys are amazing. And that's the second chapel team I've heard in the last like week. And they're all so different, which is awesome. I love that. And it is so good to be back on the campus of Eastern Nazarene College. It's even better that I don't have to go home because this is my home now, which is awesome. So I love that. I got to walk from my office down here, and it was great. Um, And thank you for the intro to Montague. I appreciate that. I do love coffee. I just want you guys to know that. And I want to tell you why I love coffee this morning. Um, Coffee has kind of been my thing, actually, since I was about six years old. My father would give me, he would give me sips of coffee. It's a true story. I don't know why dads do that, but he did. Um, And it's just been in my system. Like, I've not been able to get it out. When I came to ENC, it became like the staple to my life, and I basically couldn't survive without it. I played on the volleyball team here, and for some reason, they would ship us out to these games that were far away on the nights when we had like a 15-page paper due. And I'd pull an all-nighter, and it was like coffee was essential, and so I just love coffee. It's the best thing in the world. Um, I worked at Starbucks for three years while I was in seminary. Best job to date. It was awesome. I mean, this job's probably going to be better than Starbucks. But I absolutely loved it. Um, It got me through seminary, and I got free coffee all the time. So I would work, get coffee, go to school. It was perfect. But I really love a good cup of Dunkin'. That's the truth, which is good because this is like Dunkin' World's. Uh, We just recently moved from a place called Hagerstown, which, if you've never been there, it's Western Maryland. This was sort of our vibe of music over here, so um, it's kind of different there, and uh, there's a Dunkin' Donuts that was right down the street from my house, and we were there all the time. Like, every day we were at Dunkin', and just to let you know, on my very last, like, pull out of Hagerstown to move here, that was our last stop. We went into Dunkin', I bawled my eyes out, I took a selfie with the worker there, And pretty much that sums up our life at Duncan. Um, The problem is, like, Duncan in Hagerstown is good, but it's not that great. Like, it was not unusual to go into Duncan and get a cup of coffee and come out and feel like, why did I just pay two bucks for it? Like, it was just okay. Yet my husband, Nate and I, who you met earlier, thanks to being in the balcony up there, um, we would go all the time because we just thought it was good and we should have it. And so it didn't matter. And then I came to Quincy, and I just have to tell you that, like, Dunkin' here is great. It is the greatest thing since sliced bread, and it doesn't matter what Dunkin' I've been in, it doesn't matter what time of day it is, whether I'm in the drive-thru or I'm inside the store, every single cup I've had has been great. Maybe I'm just lucky, but I seriously think it's Quincy, and I'm pretty sure that if nothing else good in my life happens, I'm going to love Quincy for that reason. Um, There's a difference between things that are good and things that are great. Um, When I was learning to surf for the first time, I have a a board that's about seven foot nine. I'm not very good. Uh, But the first time I rode it in on my belly, like rode a wave in on my belly, I thought that was good. I mean, I didn't fall off. It was great. Uh, When I got up on my feet, though, for the first time and rode like a serious wave, well, serious being like probably only about that high, but I rode it up on my feet It was great. It was better than great. Watching the Red Sox play on a 60-inch screen TV, which my husband says is a big screen TV, we don't own that, um, is good. But probably having tickets to Fenway front row seats is great. I mean, I've been there once, and those were not our seats. There's a difference between good and great. And I find myself wondering all the time when it comes to our plans and our dreams and our hopes what we choose to do with our life, um, what choices we make. Are we just settling for what's good, or are we really pursuing what is great? Um, When I graduated from Eastern Nazarene College, I had a lot of things planned for my life. I wanted to get married to this awesome guy that I chased down my freshman year. He's still here. Um, It worked. You girls should try that. Um, I wanted to go to Kansas City and go to grad school. I wanted to land a youth ministry job, preferably near the beach. That just happened recently, so that's great. Um, you know, I wanted to start a family. I had a lot of these dreams and things that made sense on paper to me But sometimes we have these paper dreams and they're based off of what we want for our life They're based off of what we think is good what we think we were made to do What's practical what's comfortable what's even safe for us And in this world we're pressured to have a plan. Some of you guys are getting ready to graduate I know that um, and people are asking you. What are your plans? Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? And our world tells us, you know, we pursue your passions dream big, do all this great stuff. And while those things are noble, um, I still wonder if we're missing out on something. I wonder if all of our, like, searching and orchestrating and planning and, like, dreaming up for ourselves, if sometimes we settle for what's good when what God has dreaming up for us is, like, so much greater than what we could imagine. The Israelites were people who were standing on the edge of greatness, and they couldn't even recognize it. I don't know if you know their story, but they were the people who had been enslaved for generation after generation after generation. They had been living under this rulership of Pharaoh who basically made it his main job to make their life miserable, drafting up new ways to oppress them. As slaves, freedom was like non-existent. Um, they didn't know what it was like. And it went on for hundreds and hundreds of years. And, and finally, God decides to step in and his big plans and his mercy and he decides to rescue them under the leadership of Moses. And the rescue wasn't a one-day event. If you know the story, there was a lot involved. There were sending plagues to the land. There were killing of Egyptians and parting of bodies of messes of water. There was providing food and water when there was none. Um, it, it was a lot of stuff being done to help these people escape their oppressor. It was an intense rescue mission of sorts that really involved trust Venturing into this unknown world and a whole lot of God's power in the midst of all of that The thing was God wasn't just rescuing them from slavery His plan was greater than that He had this great plan that he was going to call them into this promised land The land wasn't just any land It was a land that was filled like with the best of the best stuff They probably had some good Duncan in that land is my guess There was an endless supply of food. There was an endless supply of things for farming. There was land upon land that like families could just camp out on. Um, It was this place that God had been dreaming up for his people for a long time. A place that held the future that he had dreamed up for them. And it was a land that was more than good. It was a land that was great. The best land possible. There was just one problem. When it came time to enter that awesome, great, perfect land, they were too afraid to go. They were too afraid to enter. And so I want to read to you their story, um, part of their story coming from Numbers 13, verse 26 through 33. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified, and they're large, and we even saw descendants of Anak there. The Malachites lived in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of that land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw are, the, are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. After waiting, like, hundreds of years, the Israelites are getting ready to enter this promised land And they're so nervous about it that they decide to do what most people would do if they were nervous about going somewhere. Maybe you did that for college. They decide to scout it out. And so they send 12 scouts to go check it out to make sure it's legit, to make sure what God is saying is true. And they're gone for about 40 days, and when they come back, they have mixed reviews on the land. The good news is, oh, surprise, it's filled with everything that God said it was going to be filled with. The bad news is there's a few roadblocks standing in between. Um, For starters, there were huge walls that were built. There were people living in the land that weren't just powerful, but they were huge. They were gigantic. They looked like giants that could just annihilate them um, by looking at the Israelites. And it didn't take long for them to just declare, you know what? We're not going. We're not going to enter it. I just want to say, like, are you kidding me is my response to these Israelites because It's the land that God had been talking about for year after year after year. It's the land they were telling their children and their children's children about. It was the land that God had called them to. It was the land that they had endured slavery, plagues, parting of seas, and all of that stuff. It was the same land that God, who had provided for them all those years, was like, here it is, it's yours. And they were standing on the edge of something great, and they couldn't even recognize it. The Israelites had this need, like they felt like they needed to be in control of the future. They wanted to feel safe. They wanted to feel comfortable. They wanted to know the plan, and they believed that really going into that land was too great of a risk. It was too much at stake. They even went as far to say that life in Egypt, where they were enslaved, where there was no freedom, had to be a better choice than entering a land of an unknown. Um, And the unknown had such a grip on their hearts that they couldn't move. And so as a result, they totally missed out on God's future for them. We are exactly like the Israelites. We are the Israelites all the time. This past December, I was driving home from Christmas break. My husband lives in Maine. Well, I mean, he lives with me. (laughs) His family lives in Maine. and We were going to Maryland. And we were driving through about an hour outside of Quincy when I got this... um, text from stretch your new pastor at this church and he said something along the lines of hey andrea why don't you just stop in quincy we'll have all your stuff shipped up and you can be the youth pastor at wally and i was like um are you serious that's pretty much my dream job Uh, i've known stretch for a long time he has been a mentor to me in youth ministry and he's basically been one of two people that i've wanted to work with over the course of my life the other being my dad who's also a pastor um, as I talked to him, I thought, "Wow, this would be doing what I love youth ministry uh, working smack dab in the middle of uh, the campus that I have a heart for. Are you going to switch me off?" It took a long time to get this mic on you guys. It took about five people back there. Just stick that in there that works. Um, it was a campus that I love. I love ENC I believe in it I believe in what 's happening here Um one of the greatest places. I mean, Boston is amazing. And so, after a few texts back and forth, I found myself saying uh, to, to Stretch, okay, we'll have a conversation. And we wound up in Quincy an hour later in Jill and Stretch's uh, living room, dreaming up what would happen if we were to come here. And to be honest, this is my dream job. That's the truth. Um, but it was not an easy choice for me. I've been a youth pastor at the same church for almost 12 years, it's a church that's a lot smaller than this church. It's a church that I know the ins and outs of. It's a church that I have really close friends um, that have taken a long time to build. It's a church where the youth ministry is thriving, um, a church where we know the routine like the back of our hand. And fear just quickly, like, seized my entire being. I immediately started thinking, like, I'm not good enough. Um, What if the teens don't like me here? What if I'm not capable of pastoring at a larger church? What if... I leave my friends and then I can't make new ones. Uh, What if I never have the experiences that I think I've experienced in Hagerstown that I think are awesome? What if I can't experience that here? Like, Like, I've just experienced the best. And I just kept saying, what if? And like, I don't know if I'm enough. I don't know if I can do this. And I felt like I was standing in this land in between, looking at the past that I knew, holding it with one hand, looking at the future, which I knew God was calling me to, but so afraid to go living on the edge of greatness, um, struggling to say yes. Author Jeff Mannion talks about this land between, and he describes it as a place where life is not as it once was, where the future is in question. It's the space where our normal life gets interrupted and where what was comfortable, secure, and safe quickly become in question. It's the place where we have no idea what next will look like and the place where fear and anxiety take up residence. Can I tell you that it's also the place where God does some of the deepest transformation in your life? It's one of the places where God works in the deepest ways and the most profound ways. It's the place where God calls you to do the impossible and then somehow he gets it done and does it. Um, It's the place that borders the edge of something great and the place that if we choose to do what he calls us to do, could set the standard for the rest of our life. And honestly, we have a knack for letting fear control our decisions. Um, Just like the spies they came back that day and it was like they had this perspective of defeat All they could see is like these big guys. They were fighting They said we look like grasshoppers. I mean grasshoppers are pretty small giants are pretty big They felt like they would get devoured But there were two guys that came back with a totally different perspective Caleb and joshua and they returned and like Had this perspective of hope in their hearts and they said we can take this place We can take it because it's where the Lord has called us to. And it's not just good, it is exceedingly great. We can do it because we're not in this by ourselves. The Lord's with us, he will protect us. Perspective is everything when it comes to what God is calling us to do. And sometimes we find ourselves in this land and we are so afraid of leaving everything that's comfortable. Some of you that are seniors probably know that feeling today. And going into these places that God says, like, come, this is where I want you. And so our perspective limits it, limits us. We see what we can do. We see what we think we can do or what we can't do. And God is calling us to say, hey, trust me. Don't limit me. When we see ourselves not smart enough, not talented enough, um, not, not able to do the things, he's like, hey, I created you to do those things. He instills the dreams and the things in our hearts and in our minds. And without even knowing it, our perspective, our limited perspective keeps us from missing out on what God has that is so great for our lives. And so we've got to figure out a way to change our perspective and see God as he is, what he's doing, and how he sees us if we're going to experience the great things he has for us. I believe Caleb and Joshua's perspective was different because they remembered what God had done in the past. He had been faithful Um, They hadn't had an easy life of just walking through and, you know, there were no bumps along the road. Uh, God had provided for them where there was nothing. He had called them into places and walked with them, holding their hands. Um, He protected them. And if we're going to experience what God has for us, we've got to change our perspective, but we've got to trust him and believe that he's done some things in our life. And I believe part of that is celebrating these bright spots that he's brought along our way. Um, Bright spots are these places where, like, God has shown up and surprised us. There are conversations you've had in the dorm room, maybe late at night, and you've walked away being like, wow, I, like, really needed to hear that. There are bright spots are things that are happening in this space, in this worship setting or at late night where you just walk away and you're like, something's different here. Like, I feel God in a different way. There are places where God answers prayers. There are places where we suffer through a tragedy, but we make it through because God is walking with us. There are places where sometimes God just puts a smidgen of light into a really, really dark situation. They're everyday moments. There are places that we can look at and we can say, you know what? God was there. He's faithful. And if he's calling me to do something, I can trust him. Numbers 14, 24 says that Caleb had a different spirit and followed God wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly is like no strings attached. Wholeheartedly says like God is going to be the center of everything inside of me. Um, I'm gonna trust Him, and for Caleb and Joshua, that was what they deemed as their life. Every decision, every ounce of their being was wrapped up in what God was doing and trusting Him. They developed that trust because they hit some bumps along the road that that taught them to courageously trust who He was. Um, but it wasn't developed overnight. I don't think it's just something we wake up and have this crazy amount of trust in our being. It came from working through challenging moments. It came out of this deep need that they couldn't do it on their own. It came by celebrating places where God had been and changing their perspective. And in the end, they would choose to courageously follow. I have to be honest with you. Um, I think God wants a lot more for our lives than we even understand. I think that he calls us to things beyond just being good people. I don't think he wants us just to be a room full of people that follow a list of rules of do's and don'ts or try to make the right choices or try to be a good person in the world. Like, and somehow we succeed as a Christ follower. I don't think that's what he's interested in. I think he's interested in a relationship with us. I think he's interested in this relationship where we trust him full heartedly. And like, he keeps saying, come, come, come. I've got so many great things for you. Just trust me. Have a relationship with me. And we get to the point where we'll say, I will go, I will do whatever you ask of me. It's a trust that doesn't make sense on paper, and I'll warn you of that right now. It's a trust that requires you to lay down your fears and your unknown places and remember God's faithfulness. It's a trust that calls us sometimes to pursue, a lot of times to pursue, things that are different than what the world is pursuing. It's a trust that surprises us, and helps us to understand that God has so much greater for us than what we can imagine. Sometimes when you're living in this land in between and you're comfortable or you're afraid to move, um, it's because you know what's, what it's like in that spot. This past February, I was in the airport in Honduras. And Honduras is a place that I've come to love deeply. I, I love the people. I love the place. We do missions a couple times a year. And I've just developed family, like relationships there, which is awesome. But it never fails every single time, and you can ask anybody that's traveled with me, I get to the same place in the airport and I have a meltdown. It's usually when I'm handing my passport to the Honduran lady and she's stamping it to send me back into the United States and I just start to bawl my eyes out. And I stand there and it's not really just because I love Honduras, but normally when I get to the end of a trip I think, I don't really honestly believe life can get any better than this. Like I want to just stay in this moment right here. Don't ask me to go do anything else. I don't want to go back to anything. I just want to live in this moment right here. And I was thinking about this this past February because I had just announced my resignation literally the night before I left for this trip. And I thought, oh my goodness, like I'm going into this world that I don't know. What if I never go back to Honduras? What if I don't experience things like this? What if, What if this is the last moment that I have that's really great and really good with God? And I felt like God looked at me and was like, seriously? (laughs) We're going to do this for like the 13th time. You do it in the same location. We have the same conversation every year. And this probably this lady thinks you're crazy anyway. I'm not done yet. I'm not done. And just when you think life can't get any better, I'm going to blow your mind because the best is yet to come. It's been my catchphrase during this transition. It's been what I preached to my youth group as I left over the last four weeks before I came here. I believe we serve this God who is so much greater than anything we can imagine and who wants to do and dream up big things for us. And he's not a timid God. He's not up there just twiddling his thumbs. He's a powerful God. And he's certainly not a God who's done working in this world. I believe that wholeheartedly. He is a God who parts seas. He is a God who moves mountains. He's a God who raises the dead from life and he's a god who is always up to something who is always on the move and always inviting us to be a part of it and his power can be at work in your life and in my life if we're willing to trust him because he knows the best is yet to come several years ago about three years ago i stood in the same place and it's so ironic because we sang that song that we just sang when i was here in chapel the beautiful thing song Um, And I shared my story with the students of ENC. My husband and I had been trying to start a family, and we had been unsuccessful for many years. And we found ourselves in the middle of this really complicated adoption journey. Uh, When we started the adoption journey to adopt a child from Ethiopia, the process was supposed to be six to eight months. As I stood uh, preaching that morning in chapel, we had been waiting 24 months and still had heard nothing. That's pretty hard. (laughs) Um, We hadn't been matched, and I was living in this place where I knew, we knew as a couple, God was calling us to adopt, um, but found ourselves in this land in between. Like, God, you're calling us to trust, trust you, but you've not really totally shown up yet. And I wrestled with God, and I shared that story up here of just being angry at God and frustrated at his timing and just not really... Getting to a place where I believe, like, God still is not finished. Like, he has something really great in mind. The best is still yet to come. And when I returned from that trip about two months later, we got a phone call, and we were matched with our son. And I'm going to have Brute come up here for a minute. Can you come here, buddy? I might have to get him. Baruch, greatest sermon illustration to date right here. Um, you can't see his face because he's scared of you guys. Um, but when I stood up here last time, he wasn't even a name. In fact, he was barely born. Um, when we got our call, he was four months old. Uh, and every day I look at Baruch and I think about him, I'm not just reminded that God is faithful because I believe that. I believe God is faithful and he's a really great God. But he's a reminder that God calls us to, like, trust him all the time, even when it doesn't make sense, um, when we don't know what the end of the story is going to look like. And every time I see my child's face, and he's pretty stinking cute, (laughs) I think, man, God is not done blowing our minds. Couldn't have ever pictured this. Um, God has never done blowing our minds. And as I've sat up in the office in Wally upstairs the past few weeks, there's been a lot of different things that I've experienced emotion-wise Um, There's been some days I've felt incredibly overwhelmed. I've cried in my office. Um, There's a lot of days that I feel really inadequate, most days. Uh, There's a lot of days I have to pinch myself, and I'm like, this is my dream job, which God has been dreaming up for a long time, and I feel forever grateful for that. But I have an overwhelming sense that, like, the best is still yet to come in my life I believe for every single person in this room for your life, and I believe for the campus of Eastern Nazarene College. But it requires us to believe in a God that's faithful. It requires us to step out and to trust him. Um, And whether or not we're standing on the edge and he's asking us to do something crazy that we're maybe not sure of, or we're just pretty content living comfortably, he's asking us to believe that the best is yet to come. Um, He's asking us to trust him and to give him everything. And so I believe that. For all of us in this room, and I hope that as you get ready, some of you to graduate, some of you to come back to campus next year, some of you to do amazing things this summer, that whatever God is calling you to, you wouldn't settle for what's good, but you would settle for what's great in his eyes. Um, I came across a song uh, a couple years ago, and it just talks about God calling us to higher places and not sitting comfortably and trusting that he has some amazing things and we're going to sing that together in closing as the worship team comes. Let's pray together. Father, you are an awesome God and you blow our minds uh, with the plans and the dreams that you have for our life and you never stop. You're always dreaming up some really great things and so I pray for each student that's in this room. She would call each one of us to something that's bigger than ourselves that you would help us to trust you. You would change our perspective. You would remind us of the places that you have showed up already on this campus. And that, God, we wouldn't settle for good, but we would really go after what's great because you're in it. We pray that you would do something epic on the campus of Eastern Nazarene College and in the hearts of your people. We thank you so much for being an amazing God. We love you so much.